okay? I don't really care that you ended up getting addicted to drugs. Honestly, you have fucking money, okay? And not just like, you know, some fucking money, a lot of fucking money. So I really, really don't feel bad. And I would rather have your rich people gone away for seven years because my dad put me in a rich boarding school halfway across the country. I'd rather fucking have that, okay? Because at least I know when I come back home, I'm getting a shit ton of fucking money. <laughs> yes, my mama eat you like Jeff Dahmer. Say she on a period, let's make a mess, mama. I desensitize myself to it. I, 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 uh... I don't know, I went to great lengths. Never did I. Knew it would be this easy. Had him off that shit greasy. They'll be the nigga shit cheesy. People said they get my corner when I turn around. Oh, it's just measy. Everybody wanna get away from me because I got heebie jeebies masked up like Mike. That game on the Halloween. What would you do with the sexual parts? I wouldn't make the audience How long ago did this start, so? Anything you cancel, bro. I'm fixated on asphyxiating and breaking this little chick's neck like a pixie stick. The sick Satan worshiping bitches get horse whippings. I'm in the back, through the back door, slipping through the cracks, leaving the corpse, dripping the mortician of love. Sent from above, forced and treat her more. When she the more stingy, I become. Been doing this for more than a quarter century. I'm just numbing my dreaming. Is it real? Someone pinch me on the buns. Do you feel blame? Are you mad? Uh, do you feel like wolves go out for a friend? Get 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 a friend? Welcome back to the Rainy Day Horror Show. I'm Big Daddy B, and you are listening to the number one podcast on the internet. And on today's episode, Dusty has a really, really good one lined up for you guys. Today, we are going to be talking about the disappearance of Michael Rockefeller. Now, this story is similar to the Jamison Whiskey fortune story that Dusty did like over a year and a half, over a year ago, not a year and a half, but over a year ago. And this one takes a way darker turn than that story did. That one tarnished a relation, or not a relationship, but that one tarnished a like massive company where this one ended up in the death of Michael Rockefeller. And it is just crazy. You're going to want to sit back and strap in for this one. So, without further ado, I'm going to introduce your host for this evening's show, Dusty McBalls, a.k.a. the Certified Cougar Hunter, and your host with the most. Now sit back, shut up, and enjoy this episode. Thank you, Big D, for that beautiful intro. And like he said, guys, today is going to be a graphic episode. It's going to have basically... I guess, well, yeah, basically the um, the bad turnout of what the uh, Jamison Fortune Whiskey Company episode I did. I fucked that up, but that's okay. That's basically what it is. So it's it's going to be a wild episode, but it's going to be a good one. So before we jump into it, I hope you guys are having a good Wednesday, Wednesday, yes, it's Wednesday. I hope you guys are having a good 
Wednesday. I hope work is just flying through. And we're going to be, you know, here for a little bit talking about some poor rich bastard. Just kidding. I don't really feel bad for him at all. But this rich bastard that decided to fuck around with a group of cannibals. And he fucking found out what they're made of. Cannibalism is what they're fucking made of. Okay? It's just, oh. This story could have been so, like, avoided on so many different levels, but we're going to jump into it. Just sit back, relax. We're going on an adventure to New Guinea, and it's going to be a fun one. So, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. Michael Clark Rockefeller was born on May 18th in 19. 38. Michael was what? Michael was raised by Mary Todd Hunter and Nelson Rockefeller, who little little backstory on Mike or Nelson here. At one point, he was the New York governor and the vice president for Gerald Ford. Now I know I fucked that up, but it's funny to say Gerald, okay? Don't get mad at me. Michael also had a twin sister along with six other siblings. Now, when little Mikey was growing up, he had a picture-perfect childhood, especially when it comes to this fucking channel. Everybody, like... So, okay, listen. If you don't know who the Rockefeller are, Rockefellers are, which most of us do, they are a big fucking oil tycoon family. And Michael's great-great-grandfather forgot his name, which I should have wrote it down, but I didn't. He is allegedly the very first billionaire in U.S. history. This is like, this is the time when the Carnegies were fucking on the rise and there's a third family, the railroad family, forgot their names. Listen, okay, I haven't touched base on the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, and that other fucking family since high school, okay? So my brain is a little wax sauce with these billionaire names. But he did have a picture-perfect family because of all of his money, right? All of the money that he has, well, that he was born into, I guess I should say. So, you know, you know, I don't know. To be honest, I'd rather have rich people problems than broke normal people problems, if I'm being honest, okay? People complain about like, oh, I was rich. I grew up in like a sheltered family. My dad shipped me off to a different academy for like most of my childhood. Shut the fuck up. Shut up. Okay? I don't really care that you ended up getting addicted to drugs Honestly, you have fucking money, okay? And not just like, you know, some fucking money, a lot of fucking money. So I really, really don't feel bad. And I would rather have your rich people gone away for seven years because my dad put me in a rich boarding school halfway across the country. I'd rather fucking have that, okay? Because at least I know when I come back home... I'm getting a shit ton of fucking money, okay? So, I really don't feel bad, okay, that he had a picture-perfect family with a few, well, quote-unquote picture-perfect because everybody says loving rich socks, yeah, whatever, okay? Now, Michael attended grade school at Buckley but would later on transfer to Phillips Exeter Academy in New Hampshire where he would graduate before attending college. And after Michael graduated high school, he would then go on to attend, you know, the rich person school where all of these fucking rich people go to, Harvard. Graduated from there and then went on to join the United States Army in 1960 where he only served for six months. Now, like, this is another issue I have, okay, with this episode. I don't know if... Like, back then, back in the 60s, 
if that's just what everybody fucking served, like it was like six months, you're done. Okay. Like, you know how nowadays you sign up, if you go into the military, you sign up for four. And if you're doing the reserves, you do eight. And then, you know, when your contract ends, then you can, you know, decide if you want to sign up again. So I'm confused on if it was really only six months or if he did have that rich people privilege where he, you know, just decided to leave at any point because his name was so recognizable and ran so deep within U.S. history. And I don't know why he only served six months. Like, I couldn't find anything on how he was able to leave the army so fucking quick. So I'm just going to assume that it was because of his last name and he got to, you know, basically pick certain things that he wanted to do because he is a Rockefeller. Now, after he graduated, well, not graduated, left the military and returned home, Michael then decided to join Harvard's Peabody Museum of Archaeology and Anthology. Anthology? Yeah, we'll work with it which at the time was a museum that his father, Nelson, had just opened up. And when Michael decided to join this museum, his father gave him a position on the board. And now, after he got that job, this is where Michael decided to, you know, because he wasn't really... He didn't want to sit behind a desk. He didn't want to go to a firm that his dad owned. I think it was, from what I remember, I think it was a like a banking firm. He didn't want to do that. He didn't want to go out and just sit behind a desk, crunch numbers all day, fire people, you know, just do the typical banking accounting firm shit. Where yeah. Yeah. That's that sounds perfect to me. He was a little bit, I guess you could say, a black sheep of the family, right? He wanted to go out and do more artistic things. He wanted to go out and collect art, which is what this story is about, is him collecting art. And the reason he specifically wanted to be a part of this museum, other than, you know, he could go out and find art to bring back to this, um, his dad's father's museum. Sorry, I'm short-circuiting. One of the reasons that he also joined it was because that his father had his own primitive art collection at this museum. And his father's collection consisted of relics from the Mayans and the Aztecs. So, Michael wanting to somewhat be like his father... He wanted to contribute to Nelson's museum. But little did the Rockefellers know that this was going to cost them Michael's life. At some point during the year of 1960, right after Michael had left the service, he would embark on his own little expedition to the island of New Guinea, which is located off of one of the most beautiful and most terrifying contents in this world, Australia. Now, I know I have some Australian viewers. I would love to come and visit Australia, but y'all fucking terrify me. It's not like the people. Australians... Fine, you guys seem like a lovely bunch of people. I'm talking about the fucking wildlife, right? Basically, from what me being in the US, never ever having ever traveled to Australia, but the shit that I fucking see on TV, all the fucking things that can f just kill you in an instant. Like, bro, I hate spiders. Spiders fuck me up right? Y'all have this massive jumping spider that literally terrifies me. 
That is one strict reason why I'm thinking about never visiting Australia. I would love to go, but listen, if you guys somehow just make those jumping spiders extinct, I will visit there tomorrow. I really, really would, but like, fuck no. That shit is utterly terrifying. It's like that fucking, another spider that absolutely fucks me up is that Middle Eastern fucking camel spider. Oh, don't. Even thinking about it makes me shiver, bro. That shit fucking terrifies me. The way, because it's so hot out and they like to be in more of like a cooler area, they'll follow your fucking shadow. And you think, oh, spider, it's probably not that quick. Bitch, this thing is fucking fast. It is incredibly fast, and it scares the fuck out of me. Sorry, never going to the Middle East until you guys get control of those fucking camelback spiders. I just, no. No thank you, okay? Now, just for a little bit of a background on the island of New Guinea. New Guinea, up until this point in time, 1960, has been colonized by the Dutch for decades and is being ran, I guess you would say, since it was colonized by the Dutch, by Dutch colonial authorities. And on this island, this terrifying fucking island there are several tribes that have never seen a white man even though the dutch have stepped foot and colonized this island and one of these tribes that we are going to be talking about today is the asmat tribe and this tribe the asmat tribe is one well the tribe that Michael decided to fucking visit. Now, this tribe has only had a handful of run-ins with white people. So, their array of white individuals is extremely limited. They also have extremely limited contact with the outside world. And at this point in time, and according to multiple sources, they would see white people as supernatural beings because in their minds and in their beliefs, they believed that the land beyond their island is allegedly inhabited by spirits, which they are technically right, but like human-formed spirits, I guess you would say. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if we're getting on a spiritual level, our spirit is in a body, in a vessel. So, in a way, they technically aren't wrong. But I don't know if they specifically meant, like, ghosts. Because if they meant it in that case, then they're only, well, they're still kind of right because dead people do walk around here and everywhere, but I, yeah, I don't know, okay, I don't know which one they meant, but I guess in a way, they're still right either way, so when Michael Rockefeller and his group of researchers first touched down on this island, it was kind of a culture shock to the Asmat people, and after he got somewhat familiar with this island, they were brought to a village called, I'm going to fuck this up, Otsjinep. I, I probably did not say that right, but we're going with it. Which is home to one of the more major Asmat communities on New Guinea. Now this story is kind of perfect. And it was basically a disaster from the beginning. Like, I didn't have to set the tone with anything. It is li literally, this story is, the way it turned out is literally in the writing. So, like, the community that 
well, the village, the Ochjanep village that Michael decided to stay at wasn't a welcoming community towards white people, and you will find out later on in this story. But, after Michael and his crew reached the village and familiarized themselves with the locals, they started taking photos of everything going on in the village, which, at the time, the Azmat people tolerated. But, they wouldn't let Michael or his team purchase any of their artifacts Specifically, these things called biz, bizj, whatever, or whatever, I'm tired, whatever. Poles, which are intricately carved wooden pillars that are used during asthmat rituals and religious rites. However, Michael did not give a shit and ended up taking some of their artifacts to bring back to his father's museum. Because, according to the story, he was just so infatuated with their culture that being told no didn't deter him from getting what he wanted. See, people? This is why you gotta raise your rich kids right, alright? No means no, okay? And that's across all boards, alright? Creepy encounters. No definitely means no. We all know how those stories turn out, okay? 90% of them are sexually assaulted, okay? So, people and the rich people that are listening to this, no means no. Thank you. Now, this was Michael's first expedition to New Guinea, and the main goal on this specific expedition was just to basically... Observe, take a few artifacts illegally, and learn about the Azmat people. While he was there, he also learned that wars between villages were common and that the Azmat warriors would often decapitate their enemies and eat their flesh. He also found out that during certain religious rites, Azmat men would engage in homosexual sex, and during bonding rites, they would drink each other's urine. Sounds like the Romans. Sorry for my Roman viewers, but sounds like the Romans. That's what they did. Okay, anyways, after Michael found this information out, he would later write in his diary that this is a wild and somehow more remote country than what I've ever seen before. And with that, Michael's scouting report of the Azmat people was finished and he left the island more excited than ever and he was really looking forward to returning in the near future. Which he did. And this is the point in the episode where everything starts to go downhill. Tragedy is afoot. November 17th, 1961. Michael Rockefeller and his colleague, Rene Wassing, who was a government anthropologist, boarded a, board, boarded, not bordered, boarded a 12-meter dugout canoe where they decided to set sail and paddle to the island of New Guinea. Well, as these two left the shore, they paddled out about roughly 3.7 miles or 6 kilometers for my European friends. When all of a sudden, the water became very turbulent and waves were crashing into them, it was just a shit show out on the ocean. And because of this shit show, because of these waves, it capsized their canoe and they were stranded in the middle of the fucking ocean between Australia, I believe, and New Guinea. And as they're fucking stranded, their tour guide 
noticed them and he made an attempt to try and swim out there and save them. But since the water was so turbulent, he couldn't make it to them, which unfortunately left them stranded in the open water for even longer, clinging to the canoe for dear life. Then, after being stranded out in the ocean for two whole days, Michael and Renee became very desperate for survival and in an attempt to go get help, Michael decided he would jump back in the water and try to swim back to shore. With his famous, famous last words being, before he jumped in, I think I can make it. Well, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, people. But he didn't. <laughs> and to make it even more funny, because it's... Yeah. Renee was saved the next day, and Michael was never seen again. Now, you would think, since he comes from an extremely rich and affluent family, that they would be able to find some sort of him, right? Bones, or maybe like a decomposing corpse, a fingernail, like just any form of Michael's body had to have been found because of their connections and money, okay? And usually in this situation, you would be right, but for this story, you are wrong, okay? I'm sorry, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to call you out, but like, you're wrong, okay? All right, sorry. After the Rockerfe Rocker <laughs> Rockefeller family heard the news that their son is missing, they left no stone unturned. They used their political power to contact the Dutch to have them search for Michael. And the Dutch, along with the Rockerfe Rockefellers, not the Rockefellers, my nose itches, time out, give me two seconds. Hate it when that happens. After they used their political power to contact the Dutch, the Dutch, along with the Rockefellers, used helicopters, planes, boats, massive ground parties, basically anything and everything to search for lost Mikey. Nelson and Mary even flew to New Guinea to help in their search. But... Despite their extensive search efforts and all of the money that the Rockefellers and the Dutch put into this situation, they couldn't find him. It was as if Michael just dropped completely off the face of the earth. And within two weeks of this incident, the Dutch interior minister called off the search and labeled Michael's disappearance as a death due to drowning, which caused a massive fucking media frenzy with several different rumors as to why Michael went missing. Some people suggest he was ate by a shark or a crocodile, while others say he... I don't know why, in my notes I typed that twice. Don't know why. Don't ask me, okay? Some even suggested that he was actually living as one of the locals in New Guinea to escape his caged life as a rich man. That is such a bullshit excuse, okay? I don't care how fucking rich you are. Bro, you're so fucking lucky, okay? Fuck you. I'm gonna steal your money, bitch. Okay. Which... This theory we will come back to in a little bit more towards the end of the episode because there was a huge piece of evidence that was allegedly taken, well, photographed, that people think is Michael, but we'll, we'll cover that in a little bit. So, But the main one, the main theory that people tend to think and agree with on what truly happened to Michael's disappearance is that he was actually killed and ate 
by the local Azmat tribe, specifically the tribe that he visited. Now, when these, well, the village that he visited. Now, when these rumors started to circulate around the globe, people started to accuse the Dutch government for hiding evidence when it came to Michael's case. And at the time, the Dutch denied all of these allegations and stood on all ten toes saying that he drowned. But, but in a shocking turn of events, when 2014 hit, a reporter named Carl Hoffman, who worked for National Geographic, released a book called Savage Harvest, A Tale of Cannibals, Colonialism, and Michael Rockefeller's tragic quest for primitive art was released. And in this book, a lot of people learned about some very specific, you know, instances that wasn't publicly made in the 60s. And actually, after he released this book, it actually reopened the case. Allegedly, what happened? Okay, we're getting to the story of what Mr. Hoffman, okay, what Mr. Hoffman saw, I think. Hold on. Okay, never mind. Well, well, I'm fucking up my notes. Okay, so in 1969, a journalist named Milton Macklin, who lived on the island and was very familiar with the Azmat people, which he actually spoke their language, was pretty fluent in their language, one day, he decided to go to the Otsjenep village to investigate Michael's disappearance. Now, while he was conducting this investigation, he overheard stories from the Azmat people that they had murdered Michael Rockefeller, which he promptly reported this story, the, like these stories, to the Dutch authorities on New Guinea. And it caused a Dutch investigator named, oh, this is a dope fucking name. I would love to have this name. Wim Von De Waal. That is such a dope name. God, the Dutch have good fucking names. And he was sent to the village of Ochjenep to investigate. When Wim visited the village, allegedly he overheard the same stories and was even shown Michael's skull, allegedly was shown Michael's skull, as a result of it. But when Wim went back to the police station to, you know, the, tell the people what he found, his, his higher-ups what he found, the head government officials decided to bury his findings by labeling them as classified documents, and the reason they buried these documents was because in 1962, the Dutch started to lose control over the island and were slowly losing their land to Indonesia. And they believed that if the true story of Michael Rockefeller's disappearance came out, that they wouldn't be able to control the native population. But little did they know that some 50 years later, when a National Geographic journalist, yes, we are talking about you, Carl, would visit the small village of Ochjenep to investigate the claims of Michael's whereabouts, and he found the fucking truth. It all came out. So, this is the official story. That was the prelude to this story. So, hope you guys are ready. Because it's going to be a wild one. When Carl stepped foot on the island of New Guinea, his tour guide led him to the village of Ochjenep with an interpreter accompanying him. And at some point during his stay, Carl's interpreter overheard a man telling another member of the tribe not to discuss the American tourist who had died there. And when the interpreter told Carl about, you know, what he just heard, 
Carl urged his interpreter to ask who the man was that they had killed. And when he started pressing questions, the two when he started pressing the two men about, you know, what tourists they had killed, like asking them a shit ton of questions, they told Carl and the interpreter himself that the person they killed was Michael Rockefeller. Carl was also informed during this exchange that it's common knowledge on this island to not mention the death of Michael for fear of being punished. And Carl was told the official story by word of mouth on what really happened to Michael Rockefeller. Carl was told by some of the ASMAP people that they saw Michael actually swimming to shore, but at first they thought he was a crocodile, until he came closer and closer to shore, in which they recognized him as a Tawan, which is what they called the White Dutch Settlers, okay? I hope I pronounced that right. Sorry if I didn't. It's not like they can hear me. Because they're remote and they probably don't have internet or Spotify in their area. That was mean. But anyways. And as Michael approached the shore, the Azmat war leaders known as... Okay, now I don't know if this is a soft J or a hard J, but like... It's spelt... I'm going to spell it out first before I say it, okay? It's spelt J-E-U-S. I don't know if it's pronounced... Jews or Hughes or Haas. But I'm going to say Jews. So, it just makes the most sense to me in my English brain. Okay? Now, where did I, where did I leave off of? They Okay, so they decided to kill Michael because in 1957, just three years before Michael first visited the island... A massive war had broken out between two Azmat villages. One was the Ochtenep village that he had visited, and the other was the village called, oh my god, another bad word, Omadesep. Oh, that's probably bad too. That one fucked up. Okay, whatever. And when these two villages were basically battling it out with each other, it turned out to be a massive massacre killing dozens of men from both tribes. So, since the Dutch had just recently taken over and colonized this island, they attempted to put a stop to the violence among the villages. But un unfortunately, it really only led to more fucking bloodshed. Since the Dutch and the Azmat spoke two very different languages, there was a massive misunderstanding that took place that caused the Dutch to open fire on the village of Ochtenep and it killed four of their war leaders. Now as the years passed on and when Michael returned to the island for his second time, the war leaders that he had come in contact with this time didn't recognize him. And on top of that, they were the offspring of the war leaders that ki that were killed by the Dutch in 1957. So with no interpreter or any way to communicate with these war leaders, they decided to kill him. It's just what happens. Okay? Now at first, they were kind of nervous about killing Michael. Strictly because they didn't want any repercussions to happen to their people. But as they drew closer and, you know, talked amongst themselves about the situation, they eventually gave in to their little sadistic nature and speared Michael to death. Now, after they had killed Michael, they brought his body back to their village where they cleaved his skull ate his brain, cooked 
and devoured the rest of his fleshy little corpse and then made his bones into daggers and spears so that they could hunt with them. And that's not all. Because they got freaky with the blood. You guys know, ugh, blood. Oh, it makes me so fucking queasy. Okay, but they got fucking freaky with the blood. They really, really did. They decided to drain all of it out of his body and then lather themselves with said blood to perform ritual dances and sex acts. Sounds like my kind of party. Now, their whole idea behind killing Michael, it just stems from that instance in 1957 where the Dutch murdered their people. So the Ochjanet people believed that if they murdered four white people because four of their leaders got killed, it would be their time for retribution and they would be able to get back the power that they had lost by, you know, consuming said white boy's body. And that's why they did what they did to Michael's corpse. But it's... Now, I'm not... This is kind of funny, okay? Be Like, in a weird, fucked up kind of way. After they killed Michael, consumed his body, and drank his blood, they, um, uh... They got hit with a really bad pandemic in the village of Ochjanep. Well, not a pandemic, an epidemic. They got hit with an epidemic in Ochjanep. This disease that was floating around was called cholera. And for the people that don't know what cholera is, it's basically a bacteria that's transmitted through water and it just causes extreme diarrhea and dehydration. And because of this epidemic that was floating through this village, they sought as revenge from their gods for the murder and consumption of Michael. Which I think is fucking hilarious. Okay? And I'll tell you why in a second. I gotta itch my eyeball. I think it's so funny because, like, you think you're doing the right thing. You're like, oh, gods. We're doing this for you to take back the power. And then the guy's like, y'all just killed an innocent fucking man. I'm not happy with you guys. So I'm going to send down an epidemic. A cholera epidemic. Because you guys fucked up. That shit, I think, is hilarious, right? Now, after Carl was told this story, he started questioning other Asmat people within the village, but no one would come forward with who killed him, right? Nobody would come forward. He asked everybody. He double-checked every fucking story that was told to him, and he started asking, like, who did it? Like, who, who is responsible for it? And nobody would come forward. Until. Unfucking till. One day, Michael was, or not Michael, Carl was walking around the village. And it was a few days before he was head, supposed to head back to the U.S., okay? He was walking around the village when he happened to see a man Miming a kill, which in their culture is a form of storytelling. And <laughs> this kill that this man was miming was the murder of Michael. Michael claimed, not Michael, fucking... What's his name? Carl. There we go. Carl Hoffman claims that the man was pretending to stab someone, shoot an arrow and chop off a head. Hoffman also heard the man say certain words that were related to murder within their language. And as Carl was watching this man tell his story, he decided to grab his camera and to start filming. But right as he started to film, the dude that was miming this story ended up stopping like he told his story fully and it was you know over but carl did catch the man's response to the man that 
the story was being told to. That doesn't sound right. So this dude was telling this story to a gentleman in front of him, okay? I'm about to tell you what the gentleman said back to the dude that was telling the fucking story, right? He said to the man that was telling the story, don't you tell this story to any other man or any other village because this story is only for us. Don't speak, don't speak and tell the story. I hope you remember it and you must keep this for us. I hope, I hope this is for you and you only. Don't talk to anyone forever, to other people or another village. If people question you, don't answer. Don't talk to them because this story is only for you. If you tell it to them, you will die. I'm afraid you will die. You'll be dead. Your people will be dead if you tell this story. You keep this story in your house to yourself, I hope, forever and forever. And after this incident, after he caught this wild fucking thing, Hoffman went back to the U.S. a few days later, like I said earlier, and put everything from his expedition in a book and released it to the people. And that's how people found out what really happened to Michael Rockefeller. But the story's not over. You think the story's over? It's not. It's not. Because I'm coming back to why people think he is still living on New Guinea. Allegedly, in 1969, a group of Azmat people were photographed waving spears near where Michael went missing. Among their number is what appears to be a white man dressed identically to the tribe's people and also waving a spear. Now, it didn't specify if this photo was taken from the the Dutch investigator that went there or that Milton guy. Milton? I think his name was Milton. I can't remember. Or that Milton guy. It didn't specify who took the photo, okay? Or if it was even attached to them. Like, and I mean attached to them, like as in if they're the ones, like their crew is the one that took the photos, okay? It didn't specify. So, I am just going to safely assume that it probably may have been, allegedly was, we'll say allegedly, but it could have also been taken from an entirely different expedition that went there. Now, if you're wondering what my thoughts are on this story, just leave them alone. Like, what? why the fuck would you go to a goddamn cannibalistic tribe, okay? And you're like, oh, Dusty, maybe they don't know that's cannibalistic. If you're sitting there getting to know the fucking people, right? You might not know everybody in town, okay? You definitely don't know everybody in town, right? I don't know how big these villages are, but still, you probably don't know anybody in town, okay? You find out that they're fucking cannibals and you still stay like, bro, they could look at you as an enemy at any fucking point. Why in the fuck would you want to stay there? Why? Why would, and especially going, leaving, having everything be okay, but then returning like over a year later, like, or, sorry, over two years later, right? Yeah, two years because you went in 1960. At some point in 1960. Yeah, you come back in 1962. Like, they're going to fucking remember you? And you're just some dude swimming up onto their short? Yeah, get fucked, buddy. There's no fucking way. No fucking way I would ever do that. The first minute I hear that they're cannibals, I'm gone, Right? I will swim back to the U.S. I don't give a fuck. Get me the fuck out of there. I No, just... It's just... I don't know if he was just, like, ignorant 
and stupid and just didn't know. I mean, he did say this is nothing from the world. He's never seen anything in the world like this before because he comes from a rich family. He's probably sheltered, got all that whole shit going on, right? But, bro, bro, your meter, like, please tell me nobody's like that. Like, okay, I guess probably there are people out there that are that ignorant, but, like, at some point, you have to fucking listen to yourself. Like, your inner being and, like, bro, did he have no red flags about these people? Like, he had to have known about cannibals. Like, everybody knows about a fucking cannibal. Don't care how sheltered you are. Everybody knows about cannibals. How in the fuck did he... I don't know. I don't know. He's dumb, okay? I'm sorry to disrespect the Rockefeller family, but, like, I don't know what the fuck y'all got going on over there, but just stay away from the expeditions. Jesus fucking yeah i don't know that's it for this episode i'm shutting her down it was actually to be honest this was a lot longer than i thought see i think this one's better than the uh the what is it the fucking jameson whiskey the jameson whiskey story i think this one's more interesting even though that one kind of was a little bit not Technically, it was kind of fucked up in a way that because he bought a girl and then he made, well, okay, quick rundown for people that maybe haven't listened to it and you might want to go listen to it because it's actually really, really good. The heir to the Jameson Whiskey fortune basically fucking went to this place in Africa. I think it was the Congo. It could be, I could be wrong, but I think it was the Congo. And he came across a cannibalistic tribe and he actually paid one of the the chiefs in the tribe to watch a girl get cannibalized alive, like didn't kill her or anything, watched her get ate alive, basically. So that's like fucked up in its own way. But still, y'all rich people are fucking weird. Like I already kind of knew that, but you guys are really, really fucking weird. You guys got to chill out on that cannibalism shit, okay? Not cool. Not cool. But what else do we got going on this week? I'm trying to think. Nothing really. I'm really just bored at work. It sucks. It's just really, really slow. And we've got nothing to do. But that's okay. I like slow days. I like to make my I like to try and make myself look busy. I'd rather be slow than busy, okay? And I'll tell you why. Because then I can go at my own pace and do things my fucking way. And that's what it's been like this entire week. And it's kind of nice. And I kind of enjoy it. So, I'm going to close the episode here. I hope you guys have a good rest of your Wednesday. I will see you guys on Friday for another short Reddit horror story. It's going to be a good fucking episode. I love doing those episodes. Giving back to the community, it feels like. Reading a random person's fucking story. That probably doesn't even listen to this channel. But still, it's fun. It's fun. So, Remember, this is awkward. It's another awkward outro, but remember, stay frosty, stay foxy. Most importantly, the most important thing on this planet, stay safe, you beautiful peacocks. I love y'all. Deuces. (laughs) 